Welcome to the Ross LN Luke Show. G'day, my name is Ross Pepper. My early years were rough. I was suicidal, drug addict and alcoholic. Then one day, about 15 years ago, I discovered personal development and everything changed. It completely transformed my life. I lived a life as if everything in life was kind of done to us. But then I discovered that we're actually the creator of our lives and I've been creating my life ever since. I'm now a loving father and husband, a life coach, a business coach, relationship coach, team and leadership coach, performance coach, author, public speaker, and so much more. None of which were even remotely possible before I discovered personal development. I learned to let go of my past, my false limiting beliefs, such as not being good enough, not being lovable. I let go of all my fears of failure and rejection. I discovered it was possible for me to create happiness regardless of the circumstance I found myself in. I went from being an introvert to an extrovert. And in that journey, I discovered every single person on the planet is infinitely more powerful and capable than they can even imagine. So now I make it my life's purpose to help other people discover their greatness and live the life of their dreams. G'day, my name is Alistair MacDonald, and in my nearly five decades of life, I have experienced and achieved many things. And last 20 or so years has been very focused on business, and there's been many failures, many successes. Most successful business, uh, nearly 50 million turnover, a couple hundred staff, um, was one of the founding members, was one of the, uh, was one of the board members when we merged to grow. So I really have experienced a lot of scaling in business, uh, among other things. These days I'm focused as a business mentor and coach, and I love, I really love spending time inside other people's businesses and seeing them achieve their goals and see their lives go where they want them to go. Hey guys, Luke Farrah here. Ross has wanted me to explain a little bit about myself. Well, where do I start? I'm a father, business owner, investor, fitness, health, and holistic kind of guru. I enjoy life. I'm a great problem solver. Uh, I enjoy laugh too and the journey along the way. So uh, what you see is what you get. Pretty intense sort of guy, but also I like to make others laugh. So probably comedy is where I'm going to go. If you want to reach out, please don't call Ross or Al, specifically Al, Sunday 3am. If you need an alternative email or a phone number, just message me. Cheers. We're Aussie blokes, we're dads, and we're entrepreneurs. Between us, we've made a lot of mistakes and learned a few things about life, love, relationships, and business. And we're here to share those with you. You may get three different perspectives, or you may get one universal agreement. But whatever you take away from today, you can be absolutely guaranteed we enjoyed delivering it to you. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, hello. How are you? Hello. Yeah, good. Uh, Very well. We're looking at a phone that's propped up on some things facing towards a condenser mic, which is Al today. Yes. Is that better better looking than normal? Well, I was going to say, mate. I wasn't. I was going to keep that quiet. Cut some pretty good uh, swarf through things. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it's uh, in better shape than the real thing. <laughs> yeah, but it, yeah, nah, nah, it's not as good as the real thing, mate. I'll be honest, but still, yeah. look, looks good, looking good. So yes, yeah, so I hopefully for the audience there, the uh, the sounds all right, and we can we can hear L well enough. And 
the last two weeks the were about who I guess two weeks ago was who is Luke and last week was who is L and this week I'm not going to dodge the bullet and it's going to be who is Ross who is Ross yes well, welcome to the couch Ross thank you I feel like I need to lay back and put my feet up well I got my cup of tea we'll see, see how it goes <laughs> now Al's uh well, Al's asked me to be the question man, so I'll be Luke, uh, Andrew, Denton, Farah. So, <laughs> Andrew Denton. Yeah, I'm going to ask some pretty hard hitting uh, questions, but also okay. there's going to be a lot of love and softness there. Uh, my first question is, um, what was? Why would you avoid telling your story, Ross? That is hard hitting. Sorry, I'm just I've just come in. Let's so get it's a, it out it's a good question. I don't really think it's about avoiding telling my question. I don't think that's that's what it is. So it's not avoiding telling my question. It's more about um, putting a focus on on other people. So from a place of service rather than uh, does that make sense? Like I'm happy to answer whatever question you got a question for me. You just ask it, and I'll, yeah. yeah, and I'll answer it for you. Well, I don't want answers. I want I want the story of Ross. That's it. That's what I want to hear. And I'm sure, sure. there's a. Uh, there's a story to tell. Everyone has one. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with the service. It's very much uh, part of who you are. So where, where did you grow up? On the Mornington Peninsula. Yep, so, so you were born and bred? Uh, yeah, uh, born, born uh, bred. My mum's uh, British. Yes. She's from the UK. Uh, my dad's an Aussie. Uh, I don't know how many generations back, but um, I'm certainly aware of a few generations. Uh, I guess we're all from overseas somewhere with not too many generations back in Australia. Yep. You know, we we're only a couple of hundred years old. Uh, yeah, so my uh, my mum's uh, English, uh, my dad's Australian, and I was brought up on the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. So, okay, um, the the first, I think, probably seven years or something, I was on a farm. Yeah, nice. So we had a little place down there, um, right down. I think there was a um, military base down near near there. Might be the Cerberus. Yeah, I was wondering if it was Cerberus. Yeah, I'm it's... not sure, but. Yeah, um, you know, a nice little farm there. Um, you know, pretty good size. Cool. A, you know, it was a, my dad called it a hobby farm, but it was a reasonable size. Nice. Uh, that was, yeah, it was nice. A little bit lonely being, you know, on a farm with only one brother. Yep, so I was going to say siblings, your older or younger brother. Yeah, one older brother. Yep. So two years older. Cool. So reasonably close in age. Yep. And, uh, yeah, from there, uh, we went to Mount Eliza and spent, you know, rest of my uh my years my i guess my, my teen teen years in mount eliza okay cool. until uh until i left and um to move out of home yeah and then i went to frankston south and what age so, we did you say high school in and around mount eliza frankston yeah in mount eliza i went to school at peninsula yep the private school there uh, i hear it's come a long way since i was there um, yes which, you know all good all good things i hear now, yeah, it was it was interesting. We moved in a few different places there. My dad was a, a builder. Yep. So being a builder, he you know he'd often build a new home for himself as well. So we moved a couple of times around Mount Eliza. I think when I was there, uh, when we first moved in, we had a rental while he built the first place. But we were we had one, two, three, four, five places I think in Mount Eliza. Yep. Over probably you know the next twelve years or something like that. Okay. And what were you into when you were younger? Were you a uh, skater, rocker? Um, you know, what what sort of 
what sort of flavor yeah, did you play when you were wow. young? Sport, yeah, I did, jock, yeah, you know? I, I enjoyed my sport. I didn't get a lot of opportunity to do a lot of it. I went to the UK when I was uh, when I was ten. We spent about eighteen months over there. Okay, nice. And yeah, that was nice. And we were in a little a little village called Crewkern out in the out in Somerset, uh, which is in the southwest. Um, beautiful little spot, very country, very sort of English country typical um, place. Yep. And uh, yeah, um, I got to do a bit of sport when I was there. Had a little bit more kind of freedom freedom over there. Uh, walked to school every day. It was just over a, a k, I think, uh, each way, and and that'll help to my with my fitness. Yeah. Um. You know, I walked pretty quick. Come home for lunch as well. There was something happening with uh, with schools over there at the time where. Yeah, basically, if you lived local, you had to go home. It was yeah, kind nice. of non-optional. So Have a snooze. And... I'd, uh, I'd come home. Well, um, by the time I'd walked home and, and walked back again, uh, I'd used a bit of my <laughs> bit of my <laughs> lunch time up. Get back, yeah. And if I uh, walked home and, I, and you know my, my parents were often weren't, weren't home, so I'd have to take care of myself during during lunch. So I'd come home and you know make take care of my own lunch. If I got home and I'd forgotten my key, I'd have to go all the way back to school, pick up my key, and come all the way back again oh. just so I could eat. <laughs> it's no good. So I could be doing four Ks at lunchtime. Yep. If I forgot my key. And so what were you passionate about as a kid? You know, like I know Al sort of spoke about what he used to sort of get up to and, you know, myself as well. So what were you, are yeah, you I, obsessed or passionate or? Yeah, so you asked the questions there about sport. I, I played rugby when I was over there. Like yep. in Victoria, it's not really a, a big game here in Victoria, but I loved it. I really enjoyed rugby. That was, yeah, probably my favourite sport. Yeah, nice. Um, I, was, I was a fast runner. A sprinter, not really a long distance runner, but I was a fast sprinter. Um, loved the hurdles. And I loved Tiggy. You know, I was yeah, really great cool. at dodging people. So, yeah. you know, that, that combination, rugby, that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nice. We so got was, the someone's running after me and, and you know, yeah. trying to catch me. And I'm just dodging around them and off I go. Yeah, nice. Mm. And so um, you finished high school, Peninsula. What what did you, where did you progress after that? Yeah, I went on to, um, I went into university to, like I in the last couple of years, I got into computer programming. Okay, uh, yeah. I used to do a bit of that. That was one of my passions, so I do that in my personal time as well. Uh, and then I, you know, when computer programming became a subject at school, I did that at school. Yep. And then I went on to do it at university, but I found university particularly dull. Uh, the subjects. So I went there to do. You know, I, I turned up to university to do computer programming. And of all my subjects, there was one computer programming course. Right, yep. And I'd already done that language. So, day one, they said to me, uh, I said it to everyone, they said it to everyone in the, in the lecture, they said, look, the throughout the year, you don't have to turn up to any of our lectures and things, you can you manage yourself. We've got um, five, five assignments throughout the year, they're worth two points each. Um, so at the end of the year, it's 10% of your mark, and then there's an exam, and the exam's worth 90% of your mark. And I'm like, all right, so I can sacrifice 10% of my mark, and I don't have to turn up to any of these classes, I'm out of here. Yeah. So that was it. I didn't turn up for the next six months, or, you know, four months, or however long it is. Right. Um, turned up mid-year for the exams, blitzed the exams, and then then I got my results back, and I'd failed everything. And yeah. You know, I wasn't terribly surprised about the other subjects, I didn't really turn up to them either. But my intention, you know, was to be a programmer, not that other stuff they were trying to teach me. Yeah. So I went to see my lecturer and he said, um, and I said, oh, look, um, I thought I did really well on the exam, but it says here I failed. Can we have a chat? He's like, yeah, sure. So he's, he let me get your results out. He's pulled them out. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you did really well on the exam. I said, cool. So 
why have I failed? And he goes, well, you didn't do the assignments. I said, well, you never said that they were compulsory. I turned up day one. Yeah. And you said that I don't have to turn up to any of the classes. Um, and I, you know, and these assignments are worth 10% of the mark. So I gave up 10% of my mark. And he goes, well, no, no, you need to do them. They're compulsory. Yeah. Um, you've got two weeks left. If you do them in the next two weeks, then, you know, um, you're good. Okay, yeah. So I tried, but, you know, trying to do <laughs> a full, you know, six months worth of uh, work in, in two weeks wasn't really happening. No, as it, yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. Mm. It uh, might be a struggle. Yeah. So, yeah, so I didn't get through that. Um, so that stayed as a fail. So, um, and then they said, oh, look, you know, then they sent me a letter or something saying, if you don't pass everything by the end of the year, then... Um, we're going to kick you out kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, oh, save, your, save your effort. I'm, you know, I'm going to take myself out of here. Yeah. It's a waste of my time. So, so I left. Yep. Um, then I went to TAFE. Um, you know, I heard around the traps that TAFE was, was more, uh, like if I went to do, to TAFE to do programming, yep. it'd basically be programming. And how old were you around this age? Like what, what sort of, so, stage, I should say. Yeah. So I went, so I, I turned 18 in my, at the end of the final year. Yep. And uh, in fact, I think my school had finished by then. Uh, my birthday's in, in November. I think in year 12, school's done by then. Yeah. So um, next year, well, I would have been 19. And, you know, so I would have been you know, 19 going into, um, into TAFE. Yeah. So I spent a couple of years there uh, doing that. And then when I came out of there, I struggled to find, uh, find work. Yeah. The programming language they taught me at TAFE was a bit behind the times. Um, okay. If I'd been a year later, they would have taught me the, the latest stuff. Yeah. It just so happened they still had an old legacy software that they were teaching, and that's what it was. I uh, couldn't find any work at the time. So I went, well, you know, I've got to do something. So I started my own business. Okay, yeah, cool. And um, I've been self-employed ever since. Yeah, nice. My first business was in IT. So I was doing IT support. Uh, being a computer programmer, I spent a lot of time messing around with computers and, you know, regularly fixing my own when they went wrong. Yeah. Uh, that started back in DOS. I don't know if you yeah. remember That's the right. old DOS days for the younger people out there. Uh, DOS stands for Disk Operating System. <laughs> and and instead of a, a nice, pretty, you know, click and drag interface, it was text. Yeah. And you had to type the commands and stuff in there. So I was fixing old DOS machines. Uh, then Windows 95 uh, was... In fact, Windows 3.1 yep. actually was the the original Jeez. Windows version I used to work on. Windows 3.1, then Windows 95 came out as well. Yeah. Um, so I and even Windows 95. In fact, even some of the earlier versions like uh, Windows 2000 and Windows XP still operated with DOS in the yep. background. Um, it just they put a shell over the top of it, and most people didn't know that it still used DOS, but okay. DOS was still in the background. Yeah. Um, because of my experience with DOS, it made it really easy to work on these computers. Yeah, right. I just jump into the back and and do everything from there. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I did that for for several years. That was nice. Uh, Quite enjoyed that. I had a pretty good lifestyle for someone in their early 20s. Yeah. I only worked about two, three days a week and took the rest of the week off. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Um, You know, I wasn't terribly serious about uh, about business, Um, but, uh, you know, um, I had a pretty good lifestyle. Cool. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. So... And we've spoken about times, obviously, when you sort of went overseas and um, and lived over there and worked. Obviously, it was in IT, I believe. Yeah, so I went over there 
uh, a few years later. So when <clears throat> when the year two K was coming around, year two thousand, there's all this talk about all sorts of things. There's a lot of build up towards it, and I went, well, if I'm going to celebrate somewhere in the world, I might as well be somewhere else in the world, not in you know not in Melbourne. I'm here yeah. every you know every two thousand every um, new year. <clears throat> and if the world is going to blow up, I might as well do it properly. I'll be in you know in London with. <laughs> A few million other yeah. other people. Just the computers blow up, though. I think that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Yeah. Uh, well, there was talk that the whole world was going to go. So, so off I went. Um, the end of '99, I headed off over to the UK. Uh, being in IT, it made it really challenging because all the people that had been working on the Y2K stuff were now looking for work. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. there was a sudden influx of you know IT professionals into the market. Yeah. Which made you know, obviously, if you're doing Y2K upgrades, a lot of that was in the support space. Yeah, made it really hard to find a job when I got there. There was a, a, a big dip at that point in the in the market in the UK. The, the price people were paying for it. Oh, there was also that. Also, the next thing that happened was the um, the 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 internet bubble burst as well. Yeah, the dot companies com bubble. Yeah. yeah, people companies were spending millions and millions of dollars in this possibility of creating a fortune online. Yeah. And it's really early days. Obviously now people, you know, make millions online regularly, but that was the early days back then. And a lot of people were investing all this money. And that bubble, as you said, burst. Yeah. And therefore all these people that were doing that were also out of work. So over the, you know, next two years that I spent there, work was, you know, was pretty uh, thin on the ground. Yeah. I did do a few different things though while I was over there. Uh, I worked for for a company that, in fact, the reason they went under was their main product was in that space. Okay. They yeah. did. They had a, a a product, and the license was a million pounds per license. So okay. each server you had was a yep. million dollars, million million pounds to run their software on your server. And because the bubble had just burst, there weren't too many companies spending a million dollars for load balancing software yeah amazing it was amazing stuff that they were doing they were really leading edge in fact you know 10 years later it was still potentially leading edge yeah stuff. right yeah nice <clears throat> great company would have worked for but unfortunately they'd lost their market um, so that eventually went under and I had to find other things uh, and that's when I started doing a bit of uh, things like team leader yep uh, and, and things like that as well okay yeah so more leadership uh, roles mm. uh, working with teams and yeah and people, yeah, yeah, that's sort of where that journey started. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, still, um, not always in the in the IT space, but mostly in the IT space. So it varied a little bit, just you know, whatever I could get my hands on, um, whatever sort of contracting and temp work I could find. Yeah, nice. Mm. Yeah, very cool. And so, um, you had a bit of a good time over there, from mm. from uh, from what I, from what we, you know discussed previously so um, yeah. and as you're young I suppose these are the things that you do um, so what was the sort of precipice I, I believe you know that, that sort of turned you to where you are now in this sort of direction in regards to sort of coaching and self-improvement was, yeah. was there was there a point there and then in in the UK that sort of turned that for you or yeah no the the, the turn actually came later like there was heaps of amazing things that happened you know uh, when I was over there and, and other places, for those of you that are considering travel, stop considering it and just do it. Uh, it's it's an awesome thing to do and, and a real growth opportunity. Yep. So just get on and do it. And Ross, I'd just love to jump in there. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, what did you what did you find in terms of the sort of cultural and 
and people dynamics in Europe versus Australia. Yeah, we've we've spoken about this a couple of times on on podcasts. It's it's very different. Uh, you know, people are kind of people everywhere you go on the planet, but there there is definitely different cultural differences. And in the UK, basically, especially during winter because it's so cold, if anyone's out, they're in a pub. So there's a massive pub culture over there as a result. And that was basically where I was. You know, my the that uh, IT company that I worked for. The second interview was actually done at the pub. Yeah. Because if you weren't a drinker, you weren't going to fit in with the team. So the second interview was actually done at the pub. Now, being an Aussie, they kind of skipped that and just hired me straight away. But the the reality was, if I wasn't at work, I was at the pub with those guys. Yeah, right. With that team. So, yeah. you know, we'd work up to anything up to probably 80 hours a week. So pretty big weeks. Yeah. Uh, we'd take an hour and a half for lunch. Um, they were pretty lenient at that place because we worked so hard. They gave us some pretty good breaks. So we'd just go down the pub for an hour and a half at lunchtime, yep. um, which I'm sure wasn't terribly good for our productivity when we got back. <laughs> but uh, but then afterwards as well, down the pub. So basically, if I wasn't in the office, I was at the pub. And that was pretty much how I lived while I was over there. Yeah. Which, you know, I was already a pretty big drinker, but that made it a, a daily occurrence. Reinforced it. Yeah. 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 And if I used to go, if I used to go away uh, with my mates for a weekend... You know, I'd take a, a slab of beer for the day and I'd take a bottle of bourbon for the for the night. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And that would be, you know, if it was a week, it would be an expensive week. But, <laughs> you know, that was that was basically what I did. But then when it came to living at the pub, uh, yeah, that was that was very, very expensive. Luckily, I was working 80 hours a week to yeah. afford that. Uh, and when I came back, um, you know, once you've got a drinking habit, it's not an easy thing necessarily to kick. So it took me a little while to to kind of push that aside. I, you know, I, I was a smoker as well. I used to smoke the um, cigarettes. Yeah. So, um, excuse me. So yeah. So I got back, and and life for me, you know, I, I think I probably shared that when I was really young, um, when I was twelve, um, I was kind of plagued with the suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Uh, and twelve, you know, uh, I guess pretty young for that to be the case. But that had a pretty big impact on my life and the choices that I that I made. But as I went through life, I kind of figured that life was just how it occurred to you. Just how it turned up was how it was. You know, some people were lucky, some people weren't. You know, some people got born with that silver spoon in their mouth, yeah. um, and some people didn't. And I just figured I was somewhere in between. You know, I had my health, I had all my limbs and everything else, and um, you know, I was pretty smart. I was I was fast. I was fit. I you know had a lot of advantages as well. So yeah. I kind of figured I was somewhere in between, and that's just was how my life was going to go. Then, uh, and and then through the through the time, I actually got to the point where I was working as a, a software trainer. I was doing mostly the Microsoft Office products. Also, did a bit of certificate three in business IT and management. Uh, and one of the classes, like sometimes the content that I'm teaching can be a bit dry, so I like to you know chat with the the people there. And I asked them if they'd done anything exciting on the weekend. Yeah. And it was only a small group. There's probably only like four people in the group. And they all said yes. And, you know, one of them had been a V8, um, driving a V8 car. I think one of them had been um, in a hot air balloon or something. And, and one of them said, yeah, look, I did this course that was really amazing. Um, and it's made this impact on my family and, and all these yeah. things. And I'm like, wow, that sounds really cool. And she goes, well, do you want to come and check it out? They got like a free evening on a Wednesday and you can come and, you know, see what yeah. you think of it. I said, all right, cool, I'll check it out. So I came along and um, that was the Landmark Forum. 
Okay, uh, yeah. And that was where I got introduced to personal development. Yeah, nice. Uh, and, and they spoke about the things that we know we know, the things that we know we don't know, and the things that we don't know we don't know. Yeah. And where they play is in the area where you don't know what you don't know. And, yeah. Uh, and bring that into awareness. Uh, and yeah, and that was the that was a complete shift for me, because to that point, I'd figured that, you know, life was just how it was, and you know, it was kind of fate based. We couldn't really do a lot about it. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you could make choices, but we really couldn't impact it. And then through this, and they, and then this education, they kind of made this promise that anything is possible for yourself in your life. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a big call. Um, but uh, in fact, the only reason I actually did the course. Like I, t- I turned up and, and when I first heard about it, I was excited. So, you know, the, the girlfriend at the time, I dragged her along kicking and screaming. I'm like, you got to come, you got to come, you got to yeah. come. She goes, no, 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 no. I said, no, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come. So I dragged her along. And and the, when, we're in the, when we did this thing, that there's a point where they ask you if you'd like to, you know, if you'd like to um, join up yep. and, and do the course. And I looked at her to go, oh, yeah, no, this isn't really for me. And she's just, you know, she's got this big smile on her face. She's like, oh, we've got to do it. 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 And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, whatever. Let's do it. That's good. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, and yeah, and then, you know, that's what that's what changed my life. Had I not brought her along, I dragged her along, kicking yeah. and screaming, I never would have done it. And, you know, and never discovered that, you know, the capabilities of a human being is just extraordinary. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Um, we run around in life like we're so limited things that happened to us as a child gave us these limiting beliefs yeah. oh, I'm not strong enough oh, I'm not fast enough oh, I'm not you know whatever garbage we, we told ourselves as a little child is just not real and, and and as an adult we haven't re-evaluated those choices we made and we still act as if they're real and and we don't even question them in fact sometimes to question them mm. if somebody reacts to it because it's a belief that they have yeah. and we act as if our beliefs are uh if our beliefs were wrong, our very being would just disappear. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's fascinating how attached we are to our own beliefs. So when you challenge someone's belief, even if it's, you know, someone might go, oh, I'm shy. Yeah. And you go, no, you're not. Sometimes they go, yes, I am. They get all, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the chances of me being in uh, was really small, but it yeah. was a thing that destined to happen. Yeah. So no matter all these things that happened, there was just that, you know, one percent chance that got me over the line each time. Yeah, nice. Um, to have gone through the education, and then and what was um, what 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 sort of was after that? Obviously, you've you know mm. progressed into different areas. I've I've done some work with you. I know a lot of the people that have. Mm. Um, yeah. So what was you know what was the progression from there to to now? Yeah. So I started coaching people into that space. So there's plenty of opportunities in that education to give back. Yeah. Where, Everybody really should be contributing to everyone else. Okay, nice. Um, very, yeah. very high level values. Yeah, uh, and they operate from that space. Uh, Ash for people, they try to operate at a higher, a higher level thinking. And they go back into a world surrounded by people that are at lower level thinking. Yeah, and and they don't fit in, and they and inside that space, there's a race between trying to lift the people around you before they drag you back to where you were. Yeah, so that you fit back in again. Okay, and a lot of people don't manage to overcome that. Uh, and they get dragged back to their old old way of being, uh, yeah. which is a shame. Yeah. Uh, and Ross, what, mm. what have you found is like the, the the key or one or two benefits of of service to others? I cannot deny my own personal growth um, when I'm serving others. 
it's it's amazing the growth that I get from it the value I get uh, it's it's almost incredibly selfish to to be contributing to others because of the value that I get from it when I'm having a conversation with someone about uh, that's the the topic I'd love to share on our next podcast um, the conversation I've been having over the past week the the mindset that I need to be in when I'm serving somebody else just reinforces it to me. And it, and, it, and it has me operating at that higher level. People in my world, is, it can be difficult. But when I'm coaching someone or working with someone or serving someone, I'm coming from a much higher level. And it reinforces it. You know, what we, it's, it's not what we do once, it's what we do consistently. So anything we do consistently becomes the norm. So when I'm serving people, I'm operating at a higher level. I just simply have to, to be able to serve them and much more consistent. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, so, you know, so working as a coach is, is, gives back as much as I give to other people. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and inside that space, I started you know, coaching uh, with them. Yeah. So you can become a coach on some of their programs to give back. And that was amazing. But what I discovered was that I wanted to be better at giving away what I'd got. You know, I discovered for my own life what just if I could achieve this, then anyone could. That was what I knew the reality of it was. If I was capable of having such control over my life, anyone could do this. Yeah. You know, I just even through all the education I did and all the gurus that I found, I couldn't find anyone that could that would agree that you could change your little voice, that little voice inside that keeps us playing a small game. Oh, don't do that. You know, they, they, yeah, you might get it wrong. You, know, you might make a fool of yourself. Um, you can't do that. Whatever it is, that little voice in, in your head. And I said, oh, how do I change it? And everyone I spoke to said, oh, you can't. And I'm like, gosh, I'm going to go find someone who, who knows how to change it. Yeah. I couldn't find someone. Yeah. So I went, oh, well, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. I'm going to change my little voice. I'm not going to you know, limit myself. You're telling me anything possible. I'm going from anything's possible. Uh, so I figured out how to change my little voice. Yeah. And, and you know, I made, I made amazing decisions that transformed my life. It wasn't that I was anything special. It was that how we think creates our result. So simple thoughts such as, um, I, at one point, this is one of the, the most amazing choices I made in my life that completely transformed my life. I didn't do it because of that. Um, I made the choice because it seemed like it was the right thing to do at that time. And the choice was every time I felt fear, to just go do whatever that thing was. Yeah. So let's assume that the fear was jumping out of a plane. And you know, someone said, hey, would you like to jump out of a plane? And this fear come up, I'd just have to say yes. Yeah. So when somebody, you know, when they said, oh, who'd like to come up to the front of the room and, and, and share? I felt this fear come up. So I stuck my hand up and I said yes. Yeah. And, that, and those voices completely transformed my life. Choosing to be in that place of uncomfort, discomfort, uh, or uncertainty, yeah. that choice to do it, made me powerful in that space yeah i was still you know i was still nervous or shaking or sweating or you know whatever that was but i was present to it yeah i was choosing to be there so if somebody goes up to public speak they stand in the front of the room and they've kind of been forced to do it quite often what we'll do is we'll be inside our head and we'll be you know inside our own thoughts and everything else and we'll go and sit back down again and go, oh that was tough like, what do you mean that was tough? You barely even noticed the audience was there. You never once tried to connect with them. Yeah. You just tried to perform lines and all this other stuff. So you really didn't get to experience what it is to be in front of an audience. Yeah. Because you didn't. Because you're in your head the whole time. 
Whereas by making a choice to go do the thing, such as public speaking, I got to be present to it. Therefore, I could stand in front of the room and I could look at all the people and go, wow, I'm really nervous up here. Yep. But I'm, you know, I've chosen to be here. It's a very, very different experience. And I started stepping outside of my comfort zone in a big way when I did that. Yeah, nice. And it completely transformed my life. Yeah. Um, so the question you asked before about, there was kind of about what I've done in, in that space. When I, uh, what I then did so that I could help give this away to people more powerfully is I went and got ed- educated in NLP, yep. Neuro Linguistics Programming. Um, I did the, no, my knowledge, the, the best course that was that was in available, best education available in Australia. Yep. Um, that was through the Coaching Institute um, with Sharon Pearson. Uh, amazing, amazing woman. She's you know she's done a lot of work and you know what she what she knows is is extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she was my mentor for uh, for a few years, uh, along with Joe Parne and Tamale. Uh, I learned uh, amazing things from them, and then I started to niche into different areas. Uh, one of the areas that I that I niched in in personal development for a while was uh, relationship coaching. Yeah, I used to run a, a seminar called Successfully Single, uh, and help people to overcome their past and their baggage and things like that, and then start creating the relationship of their dreams. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I worked first business coaching client. Yep. Um, I had developed my own seven step marketing system by then. I developed, had developed it for myself, not for others. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and, but I shared it with him and we took his business from 35,000 to one and a half million in just four months, yeah, nice, which yeah. was amazing. And I'm like, wow, well, if you know, this works. life coaching stuff combined with, um, business has such an amazing result, yep. um, then that's where I stayed as a, as a business coach for several years, yeah. for about eight years, and was, I'm guessing about 18 months ago, that I'm like, oh, I'm not making a big impact. Yep. Um, you know, I, do, I went into this for personal development, not for businesses. Now, it's nice to make a difference to a, a business owner and makes a difference to their team and things like that, but yep. um, there's... To me, I, I saw that there was a big impact that I could be making in the world that I wanted to do. Okay. Um, so I started going, um, looking at what I do and how I deliver it and pushing back towards uh, more so for teams and uh, going to corporates now as well. Yep. I go into corporates and work with their teams um, and so I can have your impact, reach more people. I work with their leaders, once again, to, to reach more people yep. and working with individuals as well. Okay. Um, so I work with you know anyone who wants to grow which is a you know pretty broad yeah broad spectrum but the reality is it's it's people who not just want to grow but are willing to do whatever it takes to grow yeah because a lot of people go oh, i'd like to have you know xyz and it's like what are you going to do about it oh what do you mean well because you don't really seem to be doing anything about it right now you tell me you want it that equals that yeah goal, but yeah. you're not doing anything yeah now um i'm happy to work with you but if you're not going to do the effort, then you know there's there's no point. I'm just wasting my it time. Might not work. Yeah. 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 Well, it won't. Yeah. In fact, it's interesting. A lot of times when I when I take on a new client, they get them really early early runs. Then what happens is they subconsciously equate their success to me. Yeah. So they stop doing the work. Yeah. And expect me to magically wave a wand and make it happen. <laughs> yeah. So their results stop. Yeah. And, and it's when I notice this, I you know we need to have a conversation. The, around that you know they pick up their act or you know i'm going to stop coaching them yeah. 
um, and that usually gets them fired up again and hopefully we never have that conversation again. Yeah, right. Um, and they, yeah, and they get that it's them. It's not me. Uh, I'm just helping them to look at the world differently. Yep. Um, but they still need to you know, do all the work. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And yeah. so that's where you're at now, obviously, uh, coaching teams as well. I know we've done a bit of work with mm. with coaching teams. You do a great job at it, mm. you know, really achieving people. So, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a pretty pretty wild, uh, not wild, but it's a, it's a nice progression, you know, uh, through uh, it sounds like a, a life that's well lived. Mm. Um, and obviously you're married and you've got a family now too yeah? I am I yep. am I'm very spoiled to be uh, happily married with two gorgeous boys yep um, they're uh, seven and eight about to have their birthdays awesome um, they're doing very well and you know I keep challenging them to um, to be in charge of their lives yep nice because um, you know one day I won't be here for them and it'll be their own life yep um, so yeah keep challenging them to take control of their own lives oh, nice. uh, try my best to to uh, take out the uh, emotion around things being right and wrong and things like that. Uh, yeah, and, and it's it's fascinating having a having a a young a young son. Uh, in fact, when he was when he was five, you say he was going on fifteen then. And you know, we talk about the rebellious teenager. Yeah, um, that was here really early on. But it's a really great development stage. So, to any parent out there who's got a rebellious child, it's part of their development. Yeah, don't try and squash. It. It's one of the most important things for them to go through to, to discover that they do have power because that's what it's about. It's them discovering their own power. Yeah, nice, yeah. Don't don't squash it. Just try to show how they're aligned, like you've both got the same goals in mind. Yeah. Okay, that's what you're looking for, to align them with you because they're in a space where everything's a fight. Like, they've got a battle with everything. <laughs> so stop fighting with them and try and align what you and them are both doing that's that's my recommendation for that yeah yeah okay yeah i've got a seven year old at the moment that uh it's a bit of a challenge but um very uh very very much in that that sort of fight mm-hmm. mode yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah she actually had a crack at me last night and it was quite fun actually <laughs> <laughs> anyway um yeah it's yeah it's uh and so uh from here what's the what's the plan moving forward if any are you yeah so i'm just i was just listening to what you're saying there and, and before we do um move on from that uh just uh, i guess one of the things that's that's good to to for, for me that i found really really valuable you say i'm on your side yeah um i get that you feel that you and i are something you know we've got something against each other right now like we're at battle but we're not yeah we're on the same side yep uh, and as much as you feel like you need to fight with me right now trust me i'm looking out for you yeah cool uh, and i want what what's best for you that's a nice way to put it i'll uh, mm. i'll put that one in there uh in the toolkit yeah 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 i keep telling my son that everything doesn't have to be a fight he's everything's because everything's always a yeah. fight he's, he's always in battle mode yeah i'm like everything doesn't have to be a fight yep um and you know it's okay to to fight and it's a really great development uh, and i want you to fight when you need to fight yeah but not everything has to be a fight yeah mm. that's awesome yeah words of wisdom mate yeah um al did you have any other questions yeah my question is along those lines the the uh the, we've had a quite a life story there um some things i didn't know so the, the for me the the final question is what is 
the biggest or the most impactful question that people can ask themselves, Ross, or thing that you can tell people? Uh, yeah, look, I think that's the, the topic for our next conversation as well. The And some people already passed this. Some people have already done it. But there's a lot of people on the planet that haven't. And it's for those that haven't, you really do need to, to get into this space. It's to stop using blame, excuse, uh, and justification and just take responsibility for something. You want it different. Trust me, you are easily capable of creating anything you want in your life. And that, this is through personal experience for myself and for everyone I've ever seen. And I've, I've witnessed and worked with so many people over the probably the past, it might be getting close to 15 years now of personal development. And no matter who that person is that I've sat in front of, every single person without fail has been infinitely more powerful and capable than, you know, than they can even imagine. So if you want something different, just take responsibility for it being different. And if you don't get the result, that's okay. Just take a greater level of responsibility until you actually get the change that you want. We, we travel through life thinking before we're, we've we've uh, evolved mentally that there's no choices or very few choices. There's actually infinite choices in any moment. It's, you know, well, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't do that because of, you know, X, Y, Z. Well, you could have done it because of infinite other reasons. And, uh, and, and I get that you may not see any of those right now, but trust me, they are all there. And it's just about continuing to take responsibility and looking for a new way and looking for a new way and looking for a new way. Mm. And you will eventually have an amazing life that you never dreamt possible. And even if you don't, that's okay. It does sound like there's a whole podcast in that. (laughs) I was going to say, yeah, that's like the lead into to next week's podcast. Mm. Uh, Thank you. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I've enjoyed the the questions and the the sharing and the reflecting on on my life. I hope something was valuable for you guys and for our listeners. I'm sure it was. No, thank you. It's a pleasure always. Mm, thanks. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you, and uh, thank you to our listeners. And uh, if you want to share anything with us, um, the details are there, and we look forward to hearing from you. And we will be sharing with you on the next podcast. Thanks, guys. Adios. Cheers. This has been Ross Pepper. Alistair McDonald and Luke Farrar for the Ross LN Luke Show. If you wish to get in contact with us regarding the show, please reach out to us via email on rosslluke at gmail.com. To discover more about myself, Ross Pepper, please visit my website, rosspepper.com. To check out L and discover what he can do for your team, please visit his website, alistairmcdonald.com.au. And if you're ready for an awesome sign for your business, be sure to visit Luke at lfsigns.com.au. You have been listening to the Ross Allen Luke Show. Thanks for listening and have a spectacular day.